0: Hello, my name is Kenny Jones, and welcome to the community. Animals! Alright, y'all. Welcome. Oh, fuck it. (laughs) Great start. This is like... (laughs) That's the perfect book. That's exactly how
1: ours would start.
0: (laughs) Welcome to (laughs) the community, y'all. There's some great people out there. Let's hear from them. Today, we got my guy albert contreras with us today how you doing
1: uh doing good i'm really excited to be here this is for everyone at home this is kovi this is my dog kovi one of them all my uh, animals and babies will probably be jumping in and out
0: of the shot uh, because <laughs> they don't know boundaries <laughs> <laughs> zero boundaries yes yeah. walks up to me licking it's all good though um but yeah, let's talk about uh, how we first met and all that stuff. Let's get into it. Yeah. So
1: um, let me move this. We <laughs> so um, me and Kenny met at UCSD. Uh, we were in a digital photography class, and um, just like getting to know each other around like campus and seeing each other. But I knew that we were gonna be friends when um, our TA Sarah made a tentacles joke. When talking about Japanese photography and nobody nobody laughed. And nobody said anything. And me and Kenny are just dying, trying not to laugh. And I remember looking
0: over and being like, Alright, that's what I me. We gotta kick it. Yeah, and that just later led to us just like really enjoying each other's pieces and mm-hmm. just getting to know each other, which I feel like rarely happens, especially during like a summer session too. Yeah, we were all in that class for like five weeks. Five weeks, but loved each other. Yeah. Like that it was dope.
1: Yeah, and Kenny's the only person more late than me.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, the first time we went to a brewery, <laughs> we were supposed to meet at two o'clock. Yeah. I, I was... showed up an hour and a half late. Yeah. You showed up three hours late, so. I went to the wrong place. Yeah. The <laughs> like the completely different city. Yeah, you were about 30 minutes away and I was just sitting there having beer after beer. So. I was downtown and you we were
0: in <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that was uh, tragic. But, we can talk about a good thing, yes. which is your grad program. Yeah,
1: so I'm at uh, San Diego State right now. Um, I'm in my second year. Uh, very shortly, I'll be what's called a master's candidate, which means I have finished all of my classes, and I just have to publish my thesis. Yes. Um, my thesis will be uh, completely digital. Mm-hmm. It's about a mother and a daughter who grew up in National City. And the mother, Edna, lived during World War I. Crazy and uh, wrote about her experiences in a memoir. Mm -hmm. The daughter, Lois, wrote about her experiences in World War II in a diary. And so I've been transcribing the diary and the memoir to place them online so other people can read them and access them. Um, It's gonna have some mapping components. It's going to have my own homemade digital timelines and it's gonna be available to everyone completely open source outside of academia as well. How many people engage with a website like that? I'm not.
0: (laughs) We'll have it for you already. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Don't worry. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping it trends on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It'll get there. Yeah. In time. Yeah. So it's been really exciting just learning about like my own neighborhood. Um, You know, I grew up for the most part in San Diego. Uh, Lived in National City for a little bit. This is Q-tip, by the way. Everyone. Like I I said, my babies will be running in and out of the shots. Um, but just getting to. Become a part of that community, Right. and trying to understand like what are the changes and what what is the role that like city government plays in human life. Right. Um, just the simple fact of a you know when cars come, mm-hmm. the mobility that that brings, especially for women and people of color to get of right. their own community, it drastically changes their life. Right. You know even though we do know that these people are marginalized mm-hmm. the idea of freedom of movement is something that i think we take for granted yeah you know absolutely i think i found that out right when i dislocated my knee <laughs> exactly right so you can imagine <clears throat> being um not being able to move what, how that confines you yeah and when you add sort of the 1920s 1940s sort of uh, gender dynamics and the power structures that come with those things uh, for women, especially, this completely limits everything that they can experience, um, just life in general, and right. just access to things like that. And, um, you know, people of color have the same issue as well freedom of movement and things like that. So, right. Um, and women of color. Exactly. It's the
0: worst of the worst for them.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Shout out to our women of color. Love
0: y'all. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously.
1: (laughs) Wouldn't be here without y'all. I know. Like, in so many ways. And that's one thing that I always, like, dug about you is, uh, I think so much of who we are, as men, is informed by the women in our life. Um, we sometimes joke about how, how much we love, but, uh, how, you know, how much, how determined these women are, and how... They shape your life through loving and sometimes harsh ways right but you always come out of it
0: the better for it yeah you know I think all the women in my life has ultimately changed my life for the better yeah seriously my sisters my cousins all my aunts all right I have a little story the first time I call my sister a b-word right <laughs> oh my god yeah. she slapped me so hard <laughs> yeah she broke my Xbox headset on my face oh my god <laughs> I
1: remember in ninth grade I came home and I think I called one of my sisters a trick. Yeah, and she punched the shit out (laughs) of (laughs) me. She had a good job. Yeah, exactly. Last time I ever, I I knew that there was a. I I learned. Okay, don't (laughs) fuck with my sisters. And like, jokes are jokes, but yeah, yeah, there's a line. Um, But those loving moments (laughs) really, I think, inform and and help you grow and develop as a man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: and we always have a lot to learn. Yeah.
1: So tell me about your research, because everyone's been talking. You've been talking or yeah. listening to everyone else. So I think it's time for you
0: to talk a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So no one's heard about my research, really. Uh, but I'm a grad student at UCSD, and I'm in the biology department in the Doris Lab. And uh, what we're studying, actually, is the fundamentals of tooth staining. So what we're trying to do is understand, like, why our teeth get stained in the first place, and then also to uh, what, like, compounds are causing those changes. Um, so what we did is we had, like, a... Uh, big uh study of like indexing specific Mm. like solutions that stain our teeth that we know right so like coffee wine tea tobacco beer we i guess we do know that beer does it but we weren't we're we're not studying you you avoided it because you didn't want (laughs) to (laughs) know i don't drink coffee but i'll drink beer (laughs) exactly exactly. i won't drink tea but i'll drink a beer I can't limit myself from everything, that's the main thing. Yeah, you gotta have that outlet, especially in grad school. Yeah, Um, exactly. But, yeah, that's what we're studying, and it's been uh, a very trying and learned experience. Like, (laughs) I never knew how hard being a master's student was until after we started, or I started at least, personally. And uh, I've enjoyed it, but also learned, like, so much along the way.
1: Yeah, Um, shout out to Casey, Uh, Cassie, sorry, Cass, I've had a few drinks. (laughs) Um, but she is an undergrad about to go into grad school and we were hanging out and having a coffee and it was really cool to be able to like talk to someone and just like let them know like what's coming right even though you can't prepare them for it ever but just to like hear the warning signs yeah like she's you know experiencing like the typical like imposter syndrome burnout and stuff like that and so you just have to kind of like tell people like get used to that because you're going to constantly be burnt out you're constantly going to feel like you're the only fake in the room. Right. Everyone else is so accomplished except for me. No publication. I know, right? Like, I know. Like, that's the thing. I've had research assistant positions, TA positions, internships, great things. But Everything. because I'm not published, I'm just like... I'm a person. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, going for that in the fall. <laughs> or no, in the winter time. I'm going to be submitting. Hopefully, something can happen. But yeah, no. <laughs> there we're some great things for you. Simba, sorry. It's <laughs> like all good. Said. No, it's all good. That's my uh, other baby Simba whining and crying because someone else is giving Kenny love and he wants to be petted. It's a common thing. Everybody, all the dogs, want my love. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'll tell you about, um, I was working as a research assistant under the direction of Dr. Uh, Angel Nieves in mm-hmm. San Diego State. He has a digital company called uh, Apartheid Heritage, mm-hmm. which works out of South Africa. Mm-hmm. So with the Apartheid, it reshapes, like, the entire, like... I just learned, really, like, what happened? It's insane. Whoa. Exactly. So, in remaking that culture uh. in a post-Apartheid world is like a massive undertaking. Yeah. This is something that affects daily life. So as historians, this means the historical narrative. Mm-hmm. And this is especially important because this is what young kids are learning in school, right? right? That's the future. Exactly. So you have to rewrite history. Right. Literally because it's all bullshit. Especially in South Africa. History is bullshit in general. Just as a quick aside.
0: (laughs) Yo, the Netflix documentary with conspiracies, have you seen that?
1: No, but I'm gonna watch it. (laughs) It talked
0: about Hitler and said he's not dead.
1: Oh, is he in Argentina still? They think he's in Antarctica. Oh, shit. I'm down. (laughs) Yo, I wanna believe. I wanna believe he's in Antarctica. (laughs) That'd be insane. He's, oh, is he like building like a crazy ass ice fortress? He's just hiding (laughs) because you know
0: he would like. It would be right. He's just
1: it? sitting there like with like a North Face jacket and a beanie, right? like, oh I still hate Jews.
0: <laughs> it's so
1: cold. <laughs> just wait till I get back to South America.
0: <laughs> Sick. <laughs> uh,
1: sorry, continue. Yeah. Shout out to the Holocaust. But so um me and Kenny make horribly inappropriate jokes. Yeah, so. yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> just wait if we start talking about race. <laughs> We don't need to think. Yeah, that's Yeah, that's uh, off-camera. Yeah. Yeah, anyways. So, um, I was working... Um, what he does is he creates 3D maps and images of, like, living spaces, especially. Right. Like, with the Bantu, their housing. Um, he was looking at the student uprisings in 1976, uh, the particular murder of a young gay activist who was shot and killed. And so my work was actually during the Iron Age. Right. And um, a lot of the sort of dismissal of the native peoples, the Bantu and the Khoisan, which are sort of like the two major linguistic native groups of South Africa, mm-hmm. comes from like, oh, they're just backwoods, they call them Bushmen. Right, um, right. The Dutch call them Hottentot, which is like making fun of that clicking sound. Mm, that um, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so my work was looking at how they were able to create Iron Age tools and actually have these full-fledged communities that traded that were advanced, that had early mathematics. Right. And it's like all the typical things you like hear about history is that, oh, the natives were just like these savages in the corner, right. which as we like progress more and more with our historical work, we realize that that's all bullshit. Right. It's a narrative that's uh, you know given out by colonizers because to take someone's land, you have to prove that they're not using it, right? And you move them out into different areas, like we did with the Native Americans. Exactly. If you drive through the United States of America and pass the reservation, least habitable places. Right. And that's all intentional, but that's a whole other thing. That's (laughs) a whole other thing. Yeah, that could be a whole one. So I got to do some research for that. I did some writing for him, um, and that was a really great experience. Just to step so far out of my own boundaries. Right, right. Um, I have done a lot of research. Like, at UCSD, I was trained in, like, critical race theory, uh, 19th century uh, race and ethnicity in the United States, Mm -hmm. which is why you know this about me. I speak super candidly about race, and it's just because I have these conversations so often, so often. Um, Same thing with, like, gender. Um, I've been doing a little bit of queer studies, things like that. Um, all of it has a social justice, like, tint to it, but I don't go full tilt the way I think some of my other colleagues do. Right, right. Um, I think that's a whole nother thing, too. (laughs) But I do enjoy, I do enjoy challenging power structures. Right. I enjoy, uh tearing them down as best as possible, and just breaking barriers and things like that, even in small little, you know, moments. I mean, you're already doing it, so. Yeah, um, you know, we both went to UCSD, and I'm sure the numbers are still similar, but when we, when I was there, it was only like 1.2% black, and I think Latinx was like 2.4, right. you know, and so, um, just us being there and meeting each other in itself with who we are, and that's one thing I've come to learn as I get older right? is that oftentimes you don't have to solely be an activist for activism's sake, Right. but who you are and how you move in the world and the successes that you have, just entering spaces where no one like you has entered before is already breaking down. It's a
0: form of activism itself. Absolutely. Just being ourselves.
1: Yeah. And you know, stuff like this, like learning about the community, um, you know, I never knew that any black people had ever wanted to become a dentist. Right. Me until
0: either. He, <laughs> me <yeah>. either. <laughs> Zero black yeah. dentists have ever passed me. Yeah. I've never met any until I met myself. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. When you, I remember when you texted
1: me, I was just like, oh my God, every dentist I've had has been a white guy. Right. 100% of the way, all white guys. And then uh, you had that great interview with the other uh, pair of dentists before me. and right. um, Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, a lot of times when we think of this great activism, it's like, Voting rights and reproductive rights, but sometimes it's just like shit like I'm a dentist I make solid money. I live in a community. That's typically white and I can now move in the world that I didn't before right
0: Exactly that.
1: Yeah
0: It's exactly that honestly, and I never knew how Difficult it would actually be to maneuver. Mm -hmm. until I got into the space. Yeah, and I started doing it every day Yeah Every day is way different than just like, oh, this could possibly be my future. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's one thing, like, anytime someone talks about, like, they're like, oh, you know, it's really tough for, you know, a black woman to do this and it shouldn't be that way. And they're like, oh, she should be able to dress however she want, right? Like, like that's one like, thing, especially with women of color, like, being able to dress and express themselves. And it's like, yeah, we can all agree that, that it shouldn't be that way. But, like, you got to go to work on Tuesday. There's a reality factor to breaking these molds of, like, you still have to make that presentation in a room full of people who don't look like you, who don't understand your language, your references, and anything. Yeah. And that cultural divide is so prominent in the United States, like the white-black dichotomy. I mean, you can't talk about American history without talking about the black-white relationship, period. Right. Everything and and every event, every movement is informed by that, even the ones that you don't really think, you know, the Stonewall Uprisings. Started by a black transgender woman, black clear, by a black woman, basically. Right, right. And when you think of sort of gay rights and these movements, you're always thinking predominantly of white gay people and white lesbian women. Right. But you don't really once you start to dig a little deeper, you see that people of color are oftentimes the first ones igniting
0: these things. Exactly, and those are the people that are on the ground doing the movement and doing the charges for everything that's happening. Absolutely. So the grassroots. Yeah, I didn't think we'd go this way. We didn't talk about this before. (laughs) This wasn't on the schedule. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But this is why I was
1: excited to do this because um Yeah, as soon as you said
0: We're back. (laughs)
1: Cool. So how far back do you wanna
0: I think just talking about the cosine, I think it was right then.
1: Yeah, so So once you have the cosine of sort of Southern or Northern California, then the other portion of California has to sign off of it. And then it's like We get behind it. Right. Like, for example, like, you're from the Bay. Right. I remember when E-40, right before he got big, Mm -hmm. we knew about him in Southern California before the entire country did. Right. But not before anyone in the North did. Right. And, because everybody's got, like, cousins in the Bay. Exactly. Everybody's related to him. Yeah. So, like, people would come back from, like, Christmas break from uh, O-Town, Oakland, just like, yo, you got to check out fucking this guy E-40. And I'm like, E-40, like... And then all of a sudden, everyone in like LA and San Diego is like, Ooh. <laughs> you know, Ooh. exactly. And so, oh my gosh. And so that's sort of how it works, and that's like how California sort of brings people up, and that's why I think like a YG and Ben Staples, even though they are from rival rival gangs, basically, and it yeah. should be like on site with them. Right. There's this understanding that like, okay, you're dope.
0: I'm dope, right.
1: let's just make money.
0: We're not trying to make no funk, like are exactly. trying to live.
1: Yeah, and that's all sort of informed, obviously, I think all of hip-hop is informed by the Tupac and Biggie. Right. Like the idea that you could, that this could escalate to a point that people could die. Right, no one wants that escalation, like in reality. Yeah. It's not worth it. Exactly, it's like when you look at Nipsey Hussle and the situation mm-hmm. that happened, um, I mean, it's just horrible. Right. It should have never gone to that point, and he, you know, it was a sad death and, and you saw sort of that connect- connective t- tissue yeah. with California. Yeah. Because when he died, it's like everybody, wherever you're from, it didn't matter. Everybody was yeah. hurt.
0: Literally. Hurt.
1: And then you have like cats in like New York who'll be like, oh, well, who? Right. Like he was all right. You know, right. he never had, like, one of these weird critiques I'm hearing is like, oh, he never had, like, a number one hit, or he didn't go international. Right. And I think it's because he had just sort of, with Victory Lap, sort of earned that California He custom.
0: finally got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we
1: were just holding him up, like, this is our next guy in the line. Yeah. And you see a lot of that in the uh, sort of post-mortem iconography.
0: Definitely, definitely. He
1: is always placed up there right with Tupac, as he should be. Right. Yeah. I think he should. Uh, Victory Lap is a classic album. Um, but, and that's why it hurt so much because it was like our next one.
0: Yeah. And you can definitely see him kind of taking that position and owning up to it and like saying like, no, we're not going to have it the same way that it used to be. Like, why do we have to have that like hostility and everything? Exactly. It can be different.
1: Yeah. And, okay. So we're going to bring up Kanye. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's
1: the history of rep. Right. So there's a moment that when it happened, I don't think. I realized sort of the paradigm shift that had happened mm-hmm. but um, Kanye West and 50 Cent were having a little like yeah they had their beef, beef right yeah. yeah and so it was about who's gonna sell them more records and they made like this bet like the other one would retire right yeah clearly neither of them retired in fact they probably both should have retired at that point I don't think anyone have
0: <laughs> made great albums since then now that I think about it right Kanye should anyways <laughs> So hey, Jesus is King is a great gospel album. We don't yeah. just say Yeah, it's a great go- it's not a great rap album. Great gospel. Yeah, if you have
1: if you have church group on Tuesday and you need to get hyped.
0: Jesus is King. You know?
1: Yeah. Perfect. It's no one's gonna be breakdancing to it though. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. So they have this moment of like who can have the most record sales. Right. And before that fifty cent had been the biggest star of all time. <laughs> Not of all time excuse me of of, of that, that time yeah yeah that era and before this moment anyone who sort of had that like proverbial hip-hop crown mm-hmm. had always had some connection to like street or gang culture right like Jay-Z soul crack right. like Tupac biggie like there was always that street connection yeah Kanye West has none of those mm-hmm. Kanye West is a suburban kid from Chicago who just loved like hip-hop as an art form right yeah. A uh, uh, non-college-educated suburban person, which informs why he's acting the way he's acting.
0: It's a lot. Yeah, it's the whole. Yeah. everything,
1: honestly. So, <clears throat> but when Kanye beats him, that opens up space for people like Chance the Rapper. Right. For people like a Tyler, and especially for a Kendrick. Right. Who you know, Tyler's big. I think early first album, like Good Kid, M.A.D. City, mm-hmm. right there in the title good kid, Mad City. Right. And I know that's something that we both talked about that you can relate to is just sort of being like regular kids, just wanting to go like skate, smoke weed, be with girls, but there's like gang.
0: You know what I mean? There's, There's so much going on. Yeah.
1: And, but you just live your life among that. Yeah. And it has like this great effect on you. And that's where, so that, that moment sort of opened up the space. Yeah. It allowed the crown to not have, it, the rules of owning the crown changed. Yeah, definitely. You didn't have to be with that street world. Yeah. And I think Kendrick has owned it, and I think Tyler has it now. I think Tyler took it from J. Cole actually. So I think it went the last three Cole? people. Yeah, the last three people. You know, I'm not a Cole fan either. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? People gonna be on. <laughs> Listen, I'm not a Cole fan, but I will say this. So Kendrick had it yeah. for damn Pulitzer, Pulitzer Kenny the whole night. Yeah. J. Cole. In that time between Igor, had a moment when you sort of isolate that run, K.O.D., all the features, middle child, he even gets credit for Dreamville 3. Dreamville, that's something. Honestly, it's beautiful. Oh my god. I knew that album was dope on the first song, uh, Under the Sun. Under the Sun. Yo. that's my go to. Dude, honestly, when Luke said, I wish it would, like Liam Neeson.
0: Yeah! I was looking
1: at my phone, I was like, sir, it is 10 a.m. <laughs> 10 you should not be going this hard at 10 a.m. Oh my <laughs> He's god. It's really
0: that cold. Yeah. Though.
1: Yeah, he said, my pistol's got a, a potato on it. Or how does he open the verse up? Potato over my gun. Yeah. It's just like, oh my god.
0: Inside? <laughs> yes.
1: It's, it's insane. And then, Igor. Okay. One of the greatest albums made by a rapper that is not a rap album. Right. I think it is the greatest. It is fucking beautiful. It is. When it opens with that static, just a Yeah, yeah. My first thought was, we talked about Runaway. Mm -hmm. Kanye opens with the 15 of the piano. And my Mm -hmm. first thought was like, wow, what a great sort of opposite these two. Like the beauty of the piano. Yeah, definitely. And just an Igor's theme you could have a sense of movement. Mm-hmm. You sort of felt like you were Igor, right. moving through the world. And you know, it has the he's coming, coming, coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you get this sense that Igor is someone like that has to be identified. Yeah. Like there's Igor, he's right. coming. Right. And you're just like, oh shit, like what's Igor? <laughs> 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 in yeah. Place. And then so I remember thinking like when Igor's thing hits, it's hard, it's got the good bass. I'm fucking like, I'm rolling my joint, I'm excited, I'm turning it up, I'm thinking like, we're gonna go hard, and then like, earthquake comes.
0: Yeah. And let me tell
1: you, I was dancing around, <laughs> just jamming out to this like my mom used to with like Donna Summer and the Supremes. Right, right. The, the beauty of the melody, the simplicity of the lyrics, and just like the vibe and energy of it. Yeah. It was just spectacular. And I gotta ask you, have
0: you ever mosh pit? Mosh? No, I haven't. No, actually, I just did mosh. Actually, Choker concert. It was great. Every time you listen to New Magic One, you kind of want to mosh, right? If you saw the <laughs> mosh at the Coliseum yeah. when it happened, oh my God! There was like four different mosh yes. pits. And people yeah. just going ham, and I was like, thank God I'm not there, because I'd probably break my leg. Yeah, see, I've never had the desire
1: to mosh pit, like, I'd never gotten to, like, that scene of music. Yeah. But even still, when I'm in my car, and it's just that hits the, please don't leave, and yeah. you just, like, sit in the car, and just, like, it's oh building up. my God. <laughs> and it drops, It's and it's wonderful, and... I don't know if you listened to the interview he did with Rick Rubin. I did, I did actually listen to that. Yeah, one of the things Tyler said and Rick Rubin were talking about was that certain melodies and and things are never repeated. They're not, and they're not supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And once I, so then I heard, I've listened to this album like a hundred times. Right. I think I listened to it this morning, actually. The whole thing, all the way through. Yeah, I like the first half a little more than the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first half just hits more emotionally, Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, just the idea that nothing repeats, and then re- re-listening to it, knowing that, because there's so many great moments, and so much of, like, hip-hop is about symmetry, Yeah. right? It's about, we have the bars, they're couplets, essentially. Right, right. Uh, the beat always hits on a fourth measure. The idea that he wouldn't repeat some of these things yeah. is just an amazing accomplishment, and it's, you can't, like, We can't talk about Igor without talking about the scope of Tyler's career either. Right. Especially, you know, Wolf, right? The first time we're introduced to him is the Yonkers video, (laughs) right? (laughs) If you you haven't seen the Yonkers video, I think it's good to watch Yonkers, then watch Potato Salad with Asap and then watch Earthquake. That that will just show you the change. The evolution. Yeah, and the versatility of Tyler. Yeah. You know, because he has, like... One of my favorite lines on Yonkers is like, I uh, pick uh start a team of leaders, pick up Stevie Wonder to be the wide receiver. And it's just like, sir, <laughs> sir. How you say that? Sir. <laughs> Stevie Wonder is somewhere in a mansion just getting shots fired at him. Right. <laughs> you know, chilling. Playing the piano.
0: <laughs> right. He's probably just like, who is Tyler? The what? Right, you know? right. No, in another interview he yep. said that he talked to him and um, he was like, hey, I used some of your stuff. I thought it was dope. And he's like, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah it's Stevie Wonder
1: probably he probably still doesn't really understand Tyler yeah um but so going from that sort of like aggressive hip-hop like a lot of people were calling that other early stuff like horror
0: hip-hop yeah
1: which as they should um because it was like
0: yeah it was spooking the crap out of it. it was people, intense honestly. like that, yeah. that
1: Yonkers video is crazy he hangs himself eats yeah. a cockroach and to go from that to being such a you know, we're talking about it's not even an ally, but, like, leading from the front. He's an icon. Yeah. And he still enveloped it in that sort of horror mentality with Igor. Yeah. Right? Igor's relationship to Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. Right. He's sort of the helper. I don't really... I've never... I've never actually... I don't know the Frankenstein story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's the main reason why. Uh. <laughs> I know
1: Igor's in there. Yeah. Um. And just his coming out process has been... Uh, first off, it's wonderful for him to, to be able to own it. Yeah. But to do it in the world of hip-hop, right? which has been extremely anti It's like the homophobic. toughest part, to,
0: one of the toughest places to do it.
1: Yeah, um, gay slurs are like, you hear them everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere, even guys who like freestyle. Every other bar. Yeah. It's, I, I can get this many girls and you like men. Yeah. Always a demeaning thing like that. And so for him to sort of first occupy that space as this aggressive poor hip-hop person, yeah. And then to have his coming out process, and then to elevate Igor as a character. Right. Who, Igor is clearly, uh, it's like a breakup album.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's clearly a guy right. uh, who looks like Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, all of the videos.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh. Um, it's just an interesting space and thing to watch. Because I remember when we first heard that Tyler was saying that he was gay. Right. Me and you had a conversation, we like think it, do you think he's trolling people yeah like do you think he's trying to challenge that's these, how he is yeah, yeah we, were, we were wondering like is he trying to challenge the sort of anti-gay rhetoric of hip-hop right because he's the type of person that would strictly do it to just ch- yeah just to challenge it yeah clearly it's <laughs> it's yeah. true yeah and so it's been this like wonderful transformation yeah. and just watching this whole progress um, you know him and Kendrick Lamar. I think are the only two rappers, MCs, whatever you want to call them, who have elevated themselves out of hip hop. Yeah, they are bigger than the culture. Even someone like Dr. Dre, who has like the most iconic library you could ever imagine. Yeah, um, his big thing, like Dre beats, it's still sort of tied to hip hop. Exactly. Right. Like when Snoop Dogg does his movies and does his you know reggae stuff, it's all sort of informed by his rap career. Yeah. But these two, like, Kendrick is just truly, like, a writer. Yeah. He's making, you know, pro-black protest movement music Uh, in 2019, which is
0: amazing. Right. And even if you look back into, like, his previous stuff, too. Like, I revisited uh, Overly Dedicated, Section 80, yeah, all of them. Uh, Yeah. What's the other one? Uh, After uh, Good Kid, Mike City? Oh, um, the, the classic album...
1: With all right, in
0: Black, Black of the Bay? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think it's called King Kunta,
1: but I know. King no, Kuntas I know Kuntas every song. Is
0: it.
1: Oh, we're bad. We're bad fans. Yes.
0: And There's then the unmastered,
1: untitled album. Yeah, I still have Elevate on my workout playlist. It gets me hype. Yeah. When I'm shooting my uh, pull-up jump shots in 24 Hour Fitness, I'm like Elevate, Elevate. elevate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my literally. god. Literally. Wait, what's the name of that album? A brain I thing. gotta, I
0: gotta look it up, I gotta
1: So yeah, got so he it. has that album And that album comes out, and it's perfectly tied With, I think, some iconic moments in the Black Lives Matter Yeah Um, I always remember this one video Of a March protest, and mm-hmm. people are actually Chanting the, we gonna be alright Right, right. Um, literally Yeah, and It's a panel butterfly Fuck, I can't believe we forgot that <laughs> We took an L for that one Yeah, yeah oh my god <laughs> And you know what's funny, I love that title name, and I've thought about it, oh my god, but, uh, Dam's what he lives, uh, excuse me, what he wins the Poulter prize for, um, the only MC to ever win a Poulter prize, and whereas Tyler is sort of reaching out to sort of the LGBT community, and their various groups of allies, Kendrick has sort of stepped outside of hip-hop into sort of like an academic intelligentsia. Like teaching. Yeah. teaching everybody what's really happening. Yeah, they have yeah. classes yeah. talking about his lyrics. And sort of for musicians, that's re- reserved for groups like the Beatles. Right. And to think Start of the Beatles <laughs> class, UCSD. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. The I can't
0: wait till the Kendrick class.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to try and teach that class. Honestly. Yeah. I could, I could probably teach that class right now. Honestly. <laughs> but, and there's a reason for it. Like... Um, and if we also include his work on the Black Panther, right? You know, that is such a cultural moment because Black Panther, in that space of Marvel, is like the greatest like action black superhero since like Blade. Right. And this is a cultural moment. Everybody knows that this first off movie is going to be great. Um, that so many fantastic black actors are in it, and yeah. it's uh, done by Ryan Coogler as well. And then so you have to make a soundtrack. Yeah. The fact that Kendrick is chosen for it that means... It a, speaks volumes about just him in general. Yeah, to who he is as a person. Right. And, you know, to sort of bring this all back, you know, one of my favorite... You know I love music videos. All <laughs> <laughs> <It's awesome. laughs> you Yeah, so <clears throat> all of this exists, like, sort of on the same spectrum. Right. California is such, like, this great and diverse place that it creates enough space for someone like YG, who really feels like He's from a Time Warp from 95. Yeah. It's a place that could have an Earl Sweatshirt, a Tyler, the Creator, a Kendrick Lamar, and we can support all of these things. Where I think, you know, the other major sort of port or hub of this is in New York. Yeah, definitely. But every, like, New York rapper kind of feels the same. You know, it's always like I got the... The bubble jacket, the hoodie, yeah. you know, I listen to Wu-Tang Clan, and, and I got bars. It's all about the bars. It you know? really is all about the bars. It is. Um, but California just has that vibe of, like, Snoop Dogg, or, like, Forget About Dre is just great on, like, a beautiful five o'clock sunsetting right. driving.
0: Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line is, West Coast rap has changed so much yes. just with like the new up and coming people that have been here, mm-hmm. um, and the people that are still here that yeah. started it. Yeah, honestly, like the way that Snoop has changed his life too. Yeah, like Ice Cube, he's on he's on the show with Martha Stewart. <laughs> yeah, he w- did reggae. Yeah, <laughs> At point he, like he's. Like, an embodiment of what California means, though.
1: Yeah, and and that was the thing. At every vibe and change that he went, I was right there with him. Right. He's right. like, I'm Snoop Lion. I'm like, all right, Snoop Lion. I love lines. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I'm doing gospel music. I'm like, cool, it seems
0: to be popular. Perfect. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. But, I think we should talk about the Afro-Latinx culture. Yes. And, uh... Brief history. Brief history, and then just talk about how that influenced hip-hop, too. Absolutely.
1: Bit. So... Everything, not everything, so much of this comes back to the transatlantic slave trade. Yeah. The Atlantic Ocean isn't as wide open as we think it is. You have to follow these particular trade Mm ones. So, when slave traders are coming down from Europe, they hit the western coast of Africa. Mm -hmm. Then they kind of take one up and they go through Brazil and they end up in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of the major hub of like European destinations. Yeah. So whether you're a Spanish slave trader, British slave trader, French, Mm -hmm. you're always going to end up at the Caribbean. Yeah. You have places like Haiti, Barbados, Jamaica, and then the United States would eventually catch up. But right. when the slave trade is first starting, those are sort of the main hubs. Mm-hmm. Is it's, the entire economy is mostly based around sugar production before yeah. cotton happens with the cotton gin, you like Whitney. But so the Afro-Latinx is, you do have slaves being transported and imported into modern day Mexico. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about the Mexican sort of caste system is it's this very diverse and very... I'm going to walk the line here because I think some of my graduate student friends are going to, like, kill me about this. They're all colonial Latinists. (laughs) I study National City, all right? (laughs) (laughs) So, we have these slaves being brought in for labor, as is, like, true all over, you know, what would become the Americas. Right. And this sort of Interplay and overlap of sort of the Spanish, the Native, and the African mm-hmm. has different sort of um, mixtures in different islands and areas. So, like a Puerto Rican person, for example, is pretty much almost an equal balance of Native, African, and Spanish. Right. We have a Jamaican person who's largely influenced by the African, right? right. Because it's an English colony. Yeah. It doesn't have that Spanish sort of undertone. Yeah. And so each of these places is different and. That sort of Caribbean vibe, taking the African sort of drum things that you hear in like a lot of like tribal ceremonies, mm-hmm. putting it with like Spanish melodies, that becomes like the early influence of hip hop. Right. You know, um, it's Afro beats. Yeah. Basically. it's Caribbean style beats, mm-hmm. and the first things are like parties mm-hmm. uh, out in New York, actually, and you hear a lot of very Caribbean style drums, and this continues on until basically people discover Rick James. Yeah. Rick James changes everything. The idea of the break beat, you know, um, a break beat for those that don't know is during a funk song. Yeah. Um, you know, you would have the funk song going and then have a break part where people would just go around and dance. Yeah. And so it would hit on a certain four measure rhythm. Mm-hmm. And so what DJs were doing is on one side they would have a Rick James album playing and then have another one where they could scratch over. And a scratch is just extending the snare sound. Yeah. So you'd have this break beat that they would loop over on a fourth, mm-hmm. every fourth measure. It would continue like a hip hop beat, and then they would go over and create that, that yeah. sound, yeah. and that became like the early hip hop. So that's why you see the turntables with the two, mm-hmm. and Rick James is just the he has the greatest break beats of all time, and that's why yeah. early stuff you hear like and these are the breaks, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, break it up, break it up, and <laughs> and you know they're called break dancers, yeah. and um, and so it's just that mixing. Oh, you didn't get that.
0: Was that really a a, a... (laughs) Not completely But definitely (laughs) in the realm of Yeah So yeah
1: B-boys, breakdance Yeah 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 That all makes sense Yeah (laughs) And so Yeah the origins of this Is about that hybridity yeah. You know, because you can't have sort of these rhythms without that African influence. Right. The melodies that they're taking from are very Spanish melodies because they're very European and like the Spanish guitar. Yeah. And they kind of play on that a little bit and yeah. take it a step further later. But just that mixing of these two of sort of the African... And that's like the story, I think, of the entire sort of black diaspora that's taken out of Africa. Mm-hmm. There was this sort of strength in, in making the best of the situation and turning it towards and yeah. building the community up because, you know, the status is life. Right. And to watch where it's risen, the the entire community has risen all over the Americas, you can't do that without that sense of community. Exactly. You know, buzzword, community. <laughs> and, you know, again, so much of that is led by women. It's led, you know, in the United States in sort of the post uh, Civil War era, you know, Jim Crow, you know, the church, mm-hmm. this idea of community and ownership and, you know, community, community, community,
0: <laughs> drinking game, <again. laughs> right? it's
1: <laughs> So I'm excited. I'm excited about, you know, where your work's going to go, mine, and the other people that you would interviewed. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be like a really cool thing for you to have. Yeah, definitely. And just to be able to watch sort of how everyone grows. Because I've known you for, what, three years? Three, two, three years? Has that much time passed? When I met you, <clears throat> it was between junior and senior year. It was. And I'm in my second year of grad school. So that's three academic years. Academic, that's what we do. That's a year. That, that's, a, that's a phrase. Yeah, people are like, what are you doing in the new year? I'm like, in August? <laughs> September?
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> a fact.
1: Yeah. It's grown so much, yeah. honestly. Um... So yeah, I mean, just in that time, how much me and you have grown. Right. You know, I think I was barely, I didn't even get my job at the Museum of Man yet. Right. I was still just like, yeah, I was still trying to make my way in sort of like the history world. Yeah, I understand what's best for you. Yeah. And yeah, all we did was drink beer. Wait, we've been doing the same shit. School, drinking beer.
0: (laughs) Just talking about things. Yeah. Literally. Now it's on camera though. That's what we needed, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think is in the future for you after so, you finish the program and all that?
1: Yeah. So, when I finish my thesis, hopefully in the spring um, next fall, I want to be in the credential program. Um, I do know I want to teach. That's my where my passion is. Oh, we didn't even talk about my work in the literacy department. We're supposed to hit that. I work in the literacy department at National City in the public library. Anyways. Yeah, just (laughs) trying (laughs) to help that community. Out there, out there. If you need him, let him know. Yeah, I mean, um, so I want to teach my hearts in that. I'm still undecided about high school or maybe pursuing a PhD or getting into some, um, I've thought a lot about government work with how fucked up things are. That's the toughest part. I, I, I love trying to turn a disaster around though. Yeah. Like when something's crashing and burning, I always think like, you know who could fix that? Fucking me. me. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm just like, you
1: know In our nature. Yeah, because I believe, like, as much as, like, I shit-talk America yeah. and, like, the horrible racial and gender structures you we're talking about, I mean, I think I believe in, like, the underlying idea. Like, yeah. I, I have a, a faith in America, and I don't even know what I'm talking about. Or what but, it looks like. Yeah, I don't... I've never experienced it, but I think we can get there. Yeah. So when I see this, like, corruption at the highest level and, you know, how these, like... <laughs> different communities are in such jeopardy and such have an unprotected status I, I just like get into like this mode of like fuck it i can fix it right and, and I don't, what can i do right now yeah exactly and i think that's one thing that me and you both have always saw, saw eye to eye on is yeah. like I, I don't give a fuck about t- like right now right, right right what can i do tomorrow right like y'all having a fundraiser call me right i'll help you set up like, I'll make phone calls, like, need some money, I got, like, 20 bucks. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, and you, and you got Cause 15 because I need something to eat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm hungry. Unless it's food. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You, yeah, exactly. Sir serve pizza, you could have all my 20. I don't yeah, give a fuck. exactly. And that's just how we are. And, and that's just, it's something that I want to pursue and something that I want to continue to explore. Yeah. And that's the idea, one of the things I love about teaching to be able to inspire young people. Definitely. Before they start having to make these difficult decisions. Yeah. Especially in communities like we come from where things are tough and you have to make, you know, life decisions at a young age. Right, exactly. So I want to give people sort of the tools to understand their world, how to hustle, to be completely frank. Yeah. How to hustle. How to how to turn ten into twenty. And that's not always just money. Right. That's your status, that's your education, that's your relationships. Sometimes that's taking a step back,
0: sometimes it's taking a step forward. And when to know those moments. Super dynamic. Mm -hmm. Well, we appreciate having you here. I know there will be another time where we uh, meet up up and we do the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) But until then, thank you. Of course, Kenny. My guy. And we'll catch y'all later. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun.